0: This call is
1: hello friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. You're joined by Kirk Henderson and Ben Zadell. How you doing, Ben?
0: Doing good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're you're I I would like to have you on whenever you feel like coming on. You know, guys, I actually took like a three-day break and I was just complaining to Ben in the pre-show that I don't like I'm bad at breaks, so but then I'm also just as bad at getting up on back on the horse. But you know, with about what do we have? a little over two weeks until the NBA draft, like there's just a limited amount of stuff to talk about that doesn't involve like whirling yourself up into a fury. Like I somehow have managed to avoid the great Jalen Brunson wars of 2022. Uh, But it's like making me laugh seeing some of the different friends on, on social media timeline, just can't help but wandering in to talk about it. And you know, there's, there's just stuff, but I I also am am of the mind that before I look forward to too much, I still want to keep talking about elements of this really fun season. So you and I kind of got together uh, with the mindset of we're going to, and we're going to do this probably with everyone once they're all done. Uh, We, you know, you kind of started grinding out our our player review uh, content almost immediately after the season. And now we've got, I think, seven guys to take a look at today. And when all 15 are done, we'll probably have you back on, even if, you don't write anymore just so we can talk about um the rest of the roster and so it's it's funny this group of guys is it's inadvertently going to be a bit of a bummer because we started off with the least impactful players first <laughs> right we we kind of had to hit
0: that back half of the roster but i you know it's like we were saying pre-show um i think there's stuff to talk about there they're they're in a sense, not interesting, but in a sense, the, the, you know, their impact on this team is interesting. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good, you know, good way to look at it.
1: Who, who do you well, want to go first? Well, here's where we are. So the the first person you wrote about was probably the guy that had the largest amount of variance in terms of opinion when he was signed last offseason uh sterling brown was brought in on a two-year deal that was a six million dollar contract basically he gets paid three million dollars a year and sterling brown came in and played for the mavericks and he you know he played with the rockets last yeah yeah it was rockets last year where he, yeah. he wasn't bad yeah, he wasn't, he's shooting the ball yeah yeah, and then he came in and played at the Mavericks and proceeded to look like a guy playing in a rec league. I, yeah, I, I don't
0: I don't know what happened with that because if if anything you think he'd be able to shoot a little bit, but maybe maybe last season was just a outlier season for him.
1: I mean, that you're showing a 12% variance from 2020-2021 with Houston where he shot 42% to 30%. 30% with the Mavericks where he was getting really good looks.
0: Yeah, it's crazy because you would think uh if his if his three-point percentage went down that much there was, you know, like maybe an increase in volume. But his volume actually went down by half. He was shooting for about four three-pointers a game for the Rockets at 42% and then he comes to the Mavericks and is shooting two per game at 30%. So it wasn't an increase in volume. Um I I don't know, you know, what exactly his deal is? Uh, I mean, well, he never sure- really
1: looked in good shape. Like he yeah, kind of looked. That's why I made the joke about a wreck league because, for as much grief as we gave Luca, he looked like Luca without the ability to play like Luca. The man just—it was constantly like he was just coming from Thanksgiving dinner. You know, he did yeah. have a couple of like nice rebounding games. Oh yeah, you wrote about it, duh, uh, against the Wolves where he had 11 boards and and 12 points, and it was just. They never found any real role for him, and the, the frank, frank point of the matter was he had a real opportunity. They needed yeah. him, and it yeah, never, never happened.
0: Yeah, they took a flyer on him. I think a little bit he's a victim of expectations uh, if, if you're disappointed in his output um, on, on a fan side. Uh, because he's not you know he he was a flyer you know that's the reason they got him for 3 million dollars that's pretty cheap for a guy who was supposed to be a little bit of a 3 and D wing
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and so he is a little bit of a victim of expectations but yeah it's like you said there was a chance there because they were playing six guys in the playoffs um and even in the the regular season i mean they were, they were playing a pretty short rotation in the regular season as well and so i i don't know exactly what i mean i guess if you're a supporter or maybe you know sterling brown himself would point to like a lack of consistency but early if you look early in the season he got the minutes that you would need mm-hmm. as a role player he was i can't remember exactly but i, I put it in the profile i can't remember exactly because it's been a few days but it was like 17 to 20 minutes he was averaging in the first 41 games of the season so you can't if you're him or a supporter you can't point to kid you know like hey kid held him back or something like that uh, as we're going to see is
1: Fourteen, I have it here. But fourteen 40. is more than a quarter. Like yeah. you, you, want to soak up twelve to fifteen minutes as an eighth to ninth man if you're effective. And he had that chance, and he just didn't really do it. Yeah.
0: And so you could tell. I mean, if you if you go look at his last forty one games of the season, kid just he fell out of favor with kid. It's, it's obvious. Um, maybe there's a chance next season if he's still on the team. You know, if he doesn't get moved in a trade. Uh, That he can win some of that back, like you said, by being in shape. I think I think that was a real, you know, there was a bigger focus on defense this year. And if if he wasn't playing high level of defense, and he definitely wasn't shooting well, then yeah, he's not going to get minutes. So,
1: I I could be wrong. On this, but I also believe that he missed enough time. I think he caught COVID a couple of times. I think he might have been one of the yeah. players that was on, like the the. I, I could be misremembering this though, but you know it's interesting because he came into the league with Milwaukee, and when Co when Kid was there, so he had some experience to fall back on with Kid. He just didn't make the most of it. I mean, it is what it is. Like, it's it's bites at the apple. I just distinctly remember people being very excited that the Mavericks got both him and um and our 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 guy. Uh, what's wrong with me? Our, our Reggie, Reggie, Reggie Bullock. Bullock. Yeah. And he and people were like, oh, well, he could be better than Reggie. And I was like, no, no. I, I, I just there were some weird, but that happens every offseason when people get excited. Well, about
0: guys. I, I think there was a, a sense that he was replacing uh Josh Richardson's minutes, and that was never the case. That was no. not, I, I don't know why people got that idea, but that was never the case. That yeah,
1: there's some, there some weird stuff last year. Okay, then the next guy we'll pivot to is a midseason replacement that came along during um. And just to be clear, we're not going to talk about guys that the Mavericks cut. And we're also not talking about players that the Mavericks moved. So no Porzingis, no Brown, um, and no uh, Willie Cauley-Stein. But Marquise Chris came along when the Mavericks were signing hardship exception players during December with uh, all the COVID problems. And he just, it was was fascinating. He looked like a a breath of fresh air. When yeah. it was like the only interesting thing that happened during the month of December, when writing and watching these Mavericks was hard. Yeah, he
0: came in with a ton of energy. It was really—I mean, that first like—I I can't remember exactly, but sometime in December um, when he first showed up, and I mean, like you said, it was the first month and a half of the season that team played like they had, you know, like in a fog. And then Marquise, Marquise Chris shows up with, along with some other of the replacement guys that we're not going to cover, uh, but they just—you could tell—they just had this energy of, "Hey, I—I I am playing for a spot here," mm-hmm. and that you could tell that they were trying a little bit harder than some of the uh, a usual NBA player would in in the middle of December. That's got a guaranteed contract, so like you said, it was refreshing, and and he was one of them. But then it somehow just kind of fell off at a, a certain. Well, point. Uh,
1: my my theory. My theory is that he was working through a knee injury the entire time and simply played through it. And once he secured a permanent contract, that was when he started vocalizing his discomfort a little bit more. And I have no proof of this whatsoever, but he went from being a guy that was in the rotation to being a guy who could not be relied on just as quickly as he signed his contract.
0: That's a good theory. Uh, mine is he got is when he cut his hair that all his power was in his hair, and he got a haircut at some point and just completely monstered all his you know energy and ability. So,
1: well, um, he, he was one of many. Well, I guess two, him and Frank Ntilikina, where it's like they were lottery guys that didn't work out. Now, him not working out in Golden State wasn't shocking. Golden State plays a very different style of basketball. Very lots of motion no like not really pick and roll heavy and guys don't fit there yeah and you know, he didn't wasn't very good with the Suns. it is what it is and but here's here's kind of my question so you wrote in the article that, that as a former lottery pick chris was a risk worth taking and though it didn't work out this season it's a strategy worth pursuing taking a flyer on talented players who failed at previous stops is always a good call now i appreciate a positive spin on this sort of thing I do. <laughs> But here's my question. How did the Mavericks give this guy a two-year deal? He's that, right.
0: Contract. Yeah, that is the a weird roster management thing that I would like to uh, – we usually would blame something like this on Donnie Nelson, but he was not there for that contract. I mean, who so was giving I, him a
1: second two-year deal? Like right. who, where where was the other offer when you're – it's mid-season.
0: That, that's the remarkable thing, because like I said, this is a good strategy that a lot of successful teams have used is, Hey, this former lottery pick is pretty much out of the league. Let's bring him in here and see if, you know, the, our environment will get him into a, a you know, a useful player. Um, and so I like that strategy. I, I do not understand it Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't understand the second year of the contract because it, number one, who was, you know, who were they competing with to, to yeah. get Chris? And number two, even if you are somehow competing with someone, there's a, there's a definitely a player of similar value available somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't understand that. But yeah, like I said, I, I, I love the strategy, and that seems to be a little bit new. I don't know if that's a, a Nico Harrison and uh, Michael Finley kind of having more say now thing. Or if the Mavs, because in the past, they kind of went the opposite direction and would bring in um, guys who were like a year away from being out of the league on the end of their career, like uh, the corpse of Darren Williams, uh, Charlie Villem, Nueva, uh, just guys who were, you know, yeah. barely hanging on in the league. Um, I don't know if that's because of where they were with Dirk and they wanted more experienced guys to try and win playoff games. And But I mean, we're, they're in that same situation now. They're trying to win playoff games. so. Um, I like I like the strategy of using a couple of these into the bench spots. Um, you know, we're going to talk about it here, like Frank Nillakino. Just hey, this lottery guy has washed out at a, a franchise that has had a little bit of trouble. Uh, let's bring him in here and see if it was the situation, or maybe over the last couple years he's matured and it, it's a good risk. But again, you got to be smart with the contracts.
1: I mean, I, just, I I just don't really understand it because he was quite literally sitting at home during a season in which players were dropping like flies and then you give him a two-year deal. So, I mean, it is what it is. We're going to have to look ahead and see, like, at this point, dead money is dead money. The Mavericks are so far over the cap. It's not our money. I just don't know what Cuban's appetite is for cutting players. And that, like, just frustrates me from a roster management standpoint. But, yeah. oh, well. Then the next guy we want to talk about is a very similar vein, only he was signed by Nonny Nelson to a three-year deal with a team option on the third year following an outstanding performance in the Orlando bubble which feels like a thousand years ago I'm talking of course about Trey Burke uh the like loudly eh, loudly's not fair he was let's just say he wasn't shy about his opinions related to how you know vaccine stuff and wouldn't you know it he caught covid repeatedly throughout the year barely played and was not worth the roster spot. What do you think, buddy?
0: Yeah, I, Trey Burke, everything about him is baffling to me from the contract that for some reason, again, uh, why, a three-year contract when nobody wanted him based on eight games in a weird situation is, is just crazy. Um, and and you've already had a look at him too. That's, that's the interesting thing to me is he was here. Uh, he came along with Christos Porzingis. Uh, And Tim Hardaway in that trade uh, that they did with the Knicks, and they had him for 25 games. Uh, They had a good look at him. They chose not to re-sign him in that situation. Mm -hmm. And then he plays eight games and gets a three-year contract. And when again, like we talked about with Chris, nobody was competing to sign him. They could, if they really wanted to sign him, and they hey, maybe we saw something in the bubble. You could the exact same contract that they have with Frank Milikina. You know, a one-in-one where the second year is a team option. Uh, It's, I, I just. Unless, unless this is one of those favor to an agent contracts where they're just trying to stay in good. I'm not sure who Trey Burke's agent is, but I just i I have no idea. I have no idea why people are so into Trey Burke. Uh, we have a, they really very, are that, that they, horrendous yeah.
1: ball don't stop account. Like calls him a real hooper. Like yeah. man shot 39 percent from the floor. He's real bad at hooping.
0: And, and it's and it's you know I got into it with Twitter with one guy, and I was basically like man, like six coaches have given up on this guy. And he's like, well, you know, are they good coaches, though? It's like, well, they're in the NBA. They're good coaches. Like, everybody yeah. likes to sit here and argue about coaches and stuff like that. But you can't blame this on Jason Kidd not playing them, playing him because Rick Carlisle didn't play him. And before that, uh, Brett Brown and Philadelphia didn't play, play, play him. Say what you want about Brett Brown. Maybe he's not a championship winning coach, but he's a good coach. You know, he got Philadelphia into some really good playoff spots. He's, he knows what he's doing, and he knew not to play Trey Burke. So I, that's three coaches. People will want. You know, we got a lot of um, positive response to Jason Kidd as a coach this year. But if you talk about Trey Burke not playing, then all of a sudden he's not a good coach. So it's good. you can't have it both ways. Either Jason Kidd knows what he's doing, and he didn't want to play Trey Burke when he was desperate for players, which the Mavericks were all year. all year. They desperately needed somebody all year, and in the playoffs, and even in the, even in uh, uh, against the Jazz when they were short Luca, so they're down a point guard. They really need someone else who can actually play point guard, play guard, and dribble the ball and make plays. He still didn't play. He played four minutes in the game two blowout, and that was it. He didn't play in game one and three at all, and so. Down a point guard, Jason Kidd still looked at the end of the bench and was like, no, I can't play this guy in a playoff game. So that I mean to me, that's all that's all I need to know.
1: Oh man, it's just it's something else. Well, on to some more positive. Now we're kind of through the three people I wanted to cover the least. And now we're on to people that I think are a little more interesting. So uh Frank Milikina joined the Mavericks as kind of a 16th guy, uh, if I'm remembering training camp correctly where he had a chance to, to uh, secure a roster spot and was signed to kind of what you'd mentioned before one and one deal team option. Um, and he had, he had like, his was like what you talked like an ideal circumstance. So, you know, Frank Milikino was taken one pick um, after the Mavericks by the New York Knicks. Uh, it was long sought like a long time ago. The Mavericks were going to take Frank Milikino. Ended up being a hell of a smoke screen where they selected Dennis Smith Jr. Huzzah! Um, and you know, he didn't work out there. He had th- I think three different coaches. They never invested in him, and the young man just never got much of a shot. At least according to Knicks fans. With the Mavericks, he had his ups and downs. He showed where I, I think that the thing moving forward is that if Frank Lakina is going to play in the National Basketball Association, his guard, his position is not as a a guard. It is a it is a, as a defensive three and D wing. What do you think?
0: Yeah, he he really can't. there's just not the smoothness to his game coming off like pick and rolls or, you know, just dribbling into the paint. Yeah. He really does play like a small, small forward. Um, I think there's a chance for him. I I mean, obviously the defense is there. And so uh, I think unless something weird happens and they just need to include his contract uh, in a trade Dallas brings him back next year, because again, there's this renewed focus on defense and that's, that's his one NBA high level skill. Uh, if he's really going to stick and get some playing time, he's got to hit some three-pointers, especially
1: from the corners. He does not lack confidence. Yeah, he'll shoot it. My he, man shot the ball the way I wanted to see Josh Green shoot the ball. Didn't happen. Yeah. I mean,
0: he, he, he's close. I don't have Maxi and uh, Dorian's numbers in front of me, but, I mean, he's he's nipping on their heels as far as three-point attempts per game, and that's saying something because he shot 34%. Yeah. So, um it's it's uh, I don't I don't know he's a weird player I really like him I I don't know there's one of these things where been
1: noodling on a post for like three days in yeah all, in our I, system I,
0: <laughs> I just can't like it's one of those like I can't shake him like I if you ask me like hey like what do you see in him I'd be like well the defense and you'd be able to say what else and I would have no answer uh, and and you know it is just one of those guys where I think at some point he's going to be a impactful player for some team. Um, I, I, I'm searching for like a comp to him, you know, from the past, but I really can't. I really can't. I mean,
1: the, the like, like maybe like late stage Sean Livingston, but that's not even right because Livingston still ran the offense and was good, but it's yeah. just like, he's such a unique body type that you can't, it's, it's different where there's one guy I talk with regularly on Twitter. Who's just like, you know, the Mavericks should move on from him and really, you know, invest a lot more in Josh Green. I'm just like, Mm. their ages aren't that different and right. one player has shown some some nba sticking skills and the other is still 21 so i mean that's yeah. a green's a different discussion but it's like frank frank for how much money he costs is probably worth keeping around
0: yeah like i said he, he's again one of those uh former lottery picks that again maybe you in the right environment and we have to also remember that these guys a lot of these guys how many uh full off seasons have they have this is going to be his first one in what three years yeah I that's think?
1: true that's um true.
0: so they haven't had a normal year in quite some time and so maybe you know he locks himself in the gym this summer and comes out with a three point i mean he's at 34 percent uh I, if he gets to 36 with with really good defense maybe that's something you know i mean we're uh, talking about
1: like like we're talking about the the he just doesn't shoot enough volume. It's just if they're going to play him, he needs to have a regular slot. And one thing that, that did happen to Frank is he got pulled in and out. He yeah. played 58 games, and then he didn't I, – I, I I'm not looking at his game log, but he went significant stretches where he didn't see the floor at all.
0: Yeah, so. it's so it's so hard sometimes to evaluate players, especially defensively, because we don't know what they're supposed to do Correct. in certain situations. And so – he could have been messing up and we just don't know it defensively. We think it's looking like pretty good defense, but he's not doing what the defense, the staff wants him to do. And and so he's getting pulled like that. So maybe again, he comes back next year with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more time in that system under his belt and get a little bit more consistent playing time. And maybe the the shot consistency comes with that.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, so that's enough Frank talk. Let's move on to um, every casual's favorite Dallas Mavericks player. Boban Marjanovic. What do you got to say about Boban? Because I don't really got much other than people love him, and I get why, but meh.
0: Yeah, I, I get a, a little bit of hate because I'm just not as big on Boban as everybody. Uh, every time I mention, I, I kind of go meh about Boban. People yell at me. Mm. Uh, but I will say, I mean, he does, seem, he does seem to help with the chemistry of the team, and I think that was a big deal this year. Uh, especially after, you know, kind of what we found about it, how maybe everybody was miserable last season. And then seems like Porzingis was not helping with the chemistry. Even it, Porzingis is a really, not to derail everything, but it's a really weird situation where he didn't seem to do anything really wrong or egregious, but he seemed to just upset the, the balance of the team just by simply needing his touches and need, needing to be catered to, as more than a role player, which is what he was by the time, you know, he was traded. Um, so maybe Boban helps smooth that out. And then especially after Porzingis was traded, kind of helps smooth that along. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really, I mean, he's going to be 34 next year. I think that's, that's old for any, any the, guys that player. Are, the,
1: the data of guys that are over seven yeah. one and how much they play is kind of horrifying. So like the fact that Boban's not been hurt is yeah. is pretty remarkable. Um, so it's it's I don't know. This is this is one of these things where I'm pleased with the role. He seem to make Luca happy. One yeah. of the one of the things we got to be honest about though is the Mavericks don't have the roster spots to have like three vibes guys. Yeah. You know, you, you can't have Theo Penson who um, who you know didn't play. He, he wasn't. He's a he's a G League guy. Like I don't know if Theo Penson can play. Like I'm just being a perfect He didn't play enough. And, yeah. and Boban is is out is is on the floor makes like I, I think there's real value in this. I mean, we saw it whenever Jj Berea basically retired, like what sort of happened to the Mavericks last year. But I think that that hindsight will eventually tell us that it was more like the Luca uh not Brunson the Luca uh, Porzingis just connection didn't work. But like I just I'm not sure. I'm just not sure if if Boban. I hate to. Kid, it's it's not the guy's fault. I they just they just can't have a spot for Boban. You know, if
0: if they had three capable big men that were you know, can, you know, able to play like a big man and not kind of masquerading like uh, Maxi Cleaver and Dwight Powell have to sometimes, uh, then yeah, you can maybe see it. But yeah, with the the desperation at that big man spot that they need and and he's just kind of there to be the vibes guy. I don't know, it might be time to carve out like an assistant coach position for him or something.
1: Yeah well we'll see what they do with with Boban so then then the last two people are people you didn't write and granted you wrote the Jalen Brunson one but I want to hold off on Brunson until another show to kind of go um deeper with with the starters and and all I if if you don't mind I would like to have you back on for that show but we're, we're gonna polish off with a couple more guys first I wrote about Tim Hardaway's season and Tim Hardaway is sort of a dividing line point for me, in terms of how – and when I discuss basketball with people, and I'm about to say something really rude, I can tell how much you pay attention to the Mavericks season based off of whether you think Tim Hardaway was having a good season before he got hurt. Yeah.
0: He was, he was struggling. Um, and it's, it's interesting why. I mean, that's a lot of speculation. Is it a new role uh, outside of Rick Carlisle's offense – um, is it, um, like, I don't want to question it. When, when you talk about these contracts, I'm not questioning these guys, they work hard, um, they're out there, out there doing their all, but there's just a level of desperation when you're playing for a contract. I mean, uh, if your boss told you tomorrow that if you worked extra hard for the next like six months, you would get a, you know thousand percent pay raise you probably work pretty, like harder than you usually do once you get that pay raise i mean that's just human nature so yeah is it you know that he he got himself his one of, probably his last big contract in his career um and he kind of took the foot off his gas subcon- foot off the gas subconsciously maybe it's that i i don't know maybe it's a combo of both or you know he did um well no i think the the foot uh, injury was kind of a freak accident. I was about to say maybe just he was already wearing down a little bit because of all the, the heavy basketball that we've had the last two years. Um, but, yeah, he, he was definitely struggling. Um, he's, a, he's a really weird player for me personally because when he came with the Porzingis trade – I was full on just like, eh, this guy's a contract, you know, eventually, you know, we just, he was, we had to eat his contract to get Porzingis. It's worth it. We'll trade him at some point when he's expiring. And then by the time it came for him to his expiring contract, I was like, yeah, this, this guy's pretty valuable. I kind of like him. I think I wrote something about it on the site where, you know, he he became more than an expiring contract to me. I actually enjoy this game, but then this year, it kind of looked like uh, what we were seeing in, in New York uh, at the end there. So.
1: Yeah, and I I think that he is an extremely skilled basketball player that thrives in a narrow role. He shot five or six and a half. I, did, I wrote this. What's wrong with me? He sh- shot significantly worse from three. Five and a half percent drop on similar volume per game, and he played half the season. This is a five and a half percent drop doesn't just happen. Yeah. Um, he was allowed to do more. I think he can do more. His, he had like the highest assist rate, but there's also just something to knowing your job is to go out there and shoot. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that that we'll probably have to revisit when when we get to the Bullock review, maybe in, in a week or two. I don't know. It depends on how long these things take for everyone to write. Is Bullock season didn't really come into focus until after Hardaway went down um where he played more minutes and was getting regular looks that Tim was getting quite honestly uh because Tim shoots like seven and a half threes a game and he just couldn't hit him and I'm not you know he took a, a discount relative to staying with the Mavs the Sun not Suns the Pelicans offered him basically a four-year 88 million dollar deal and he signed um a, a pretty reasonable to me like four-year 75 million dollar contract with the Mavericks um And it was one of those that various people looking at the Mavericks cap this year saying, this is not a good contract. The Mavs are going to be over the cap. Yada, yada, yada. I get all of it. But I really liked watching Tim Hardaway. They weren't going to necessarily replace him, though. I think as we saw this season, they did have the horses to play like a seven man rotation. I think he would have been valuable to a degree in the playoffs, like him playing 15 minutes a game instead of someone else. But yeah. I also don't know what you do with Tim Hardaway moving forward because he was an atrocious defensive player, you know, before he got hurt. Like he's just not good at defense. And I'm I'm not the Mavericks have all these guards. They don't have wings. And so it it feels like to an extent that there's an argument to be made that that Hardaway is the odd man out. And I'm not sure if he's even movable. Like I don't think he's a toxic asset the way we talk about players, but I also don't see you know the 14, 15 million dollar guy that you're trading him for straight up on the market where each guy could use a new place. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think one of my theories is for for better or worse, you can you can applaud kid for him or criticize applaud kid for this or criticize him for it, uh, that he came into the season wanting guys to do more than they, that, that limited role that you talked about that they had under Carlisle, you know, Carlisle micromanaged the, the roster pretty heavily. And some guys that works for some guys that, you know, they can be better, uh, in a more free role. Um, I think early in the season, you saw guys like Bullock and Finney Smith and Hardaway uh, doing a lot more dribbling and, you know, trying to make plays off the dribble than they have in the past. And part of me just thinks that they, they, that, you know, when when you're playing basketball and you're thinking you're just going to be slow, everything just doesn't work. And I think they weren't just playing. I think they were thinking because they were, you know, given all this new freedom and, and, not just told, hey, you can do this, but encouraged to do, you know, take these tick guys off the dribble when it's really not their game. Yep. And I think as the season progressed, they kind of got away from that. And it was like, Yeah, hey, if you feel like you can get in there, go ahead. But we're not demanding that we are
1: not forcing it. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. And so I, I maybe, you know, if he stayed healthy, his shot would have came along too. Because again, you saw that with Finney Smith and Bullock Bullock and uh Maxie. Well, I think Maxie played all right at the beginning of the season, but they were um, ask kind of to do stuff outside of what they've always done. And again, when you're not reacting, playing basketball and you're thinking about what you're going to do, just everything, it it throws off everything. Then you start thinking about your shot and thinking about the mechanics of your shot and and maybe that affected him. So, um, that, that would be my guess. And it's one of those, if they can move him for a, a player that can help them this offseason, great. If he's back next year, that's fine too. Cause I'm like you, I just, I don't, Unless there's some team out there that just loves Tim Hardaway Jr. They've got some you know, proprietary analytics that says he's can help their team get to a next level, um, which I, I doubt he's going anywhere for something that you can say, hey, we upgraded over Tim Hardaway Jr.
1: So. Yes. Yes. Well, we'll see. I like Timmy, so this one's kind of hard for me. Um, he was a player that really won me over, and I enjoyed watching yeah. him the last several years. All right. It's so fun, last yeah, it's fun to watch. Yeah, the last guy we're going to talk about, oddly enough, once he was traded to the Mavericks, sort of took over that Tim Hardaway role of um, man who shoots ball. Uh, and Davis Bertans, uh, on one podcast I listened to, uh, uh, joyfully refers to him as Dave Burt. And, <laughs> you know, Davis Bertans got traded to the Mavericks as part of basically a toxic asset swap between the Wizards. Um he's he was on year two of an eighty million dollar contract and he has three years remaining and the Latvian laser did some weird stuff and I cannot express how entertaining it was to watch Davis Bertans play basketball this season.
0: Yeah, he's one of those guys that you know from around the league, but watching him every day was an interesting experience. Um he it's it's he's a weird shooter if that makes sense where where sometimes you the ball goes up and you're like there's no way that's missing and he hits everything and then sometimes when he shoots it it's just you know you're you can tell when he's like raising up you're like Ugh, like this is you know it's not it's not going to be his night he's about to go 0 for seven in like 12 minutes so i you know he's weird and on defense he's interesting um because they can't play, it's really weird that he's got a center. He's he he might have been like the second tallest guy on the team. Is he like six ten? I think. Um, <laughs> he's tall, but they can't play him at center because he can't protect the rim at all. He's such
1: an odd player to watch, but it's it you know he if, plays if so stinking hard. If the and Ma- our, yeah, like, if, our colleague if, Matt Phillips argued repeatedly in our Slack that he might be the fastest end-to-end Maverick. I don't think that's true, but in terms of like willingness to try in game, I think it I think there's something to that.
0: Yeah, if if the Mavericks weren't, I mean, you can argue about whether they're a championship contender or not, but they got to the Western Conference Finals. If they were just like a, a lottery team or, you know, a bubble team, uh, not a bubble team. What's it called? Play-in team. Um, it, if they were like that, he'd be a super entertaining player, but sometimes you're just like, this is interesting, but we just need a little bit more. But he, him, he, he uses his height, but he can't play the center. He's just so weird. I have, I have, I struggle to talk about him because i watch guys, you know, he gets switched out onto guys on the perimeter and they just blow right past them. But he kind of trails behind them and uses his height to bother them. But then also it doesn't bother them at all. It's just so weird, man. He's a weird dude, and I like it. <laughs> he's he's interesting. So uh, good shooter. I mean, like I'm always around for the shooter. I think he's a he's a guy that can move. Uh, the Marriott can move a little bit easier than some of the guys because even with this contract, um, I can see some desperate, like, I don't know, semi-contender that thinks that they if they just had some more shooting around player x you know superstar x then they can maybe you know take a step maybe you could offload him for for not much but uh if i don't know i
1: think i think you have to send something out with them and and as we've talked about repeatedly the mavericks don't have much like even if you were to take send him to a bad team to where he could like get shots and like help like a developing guard i i don't see because it's just it's a lot of money i mean yeah the, the 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 range of contracts tends to be guys that make like five million and under, and then guys that make like fifteen million or more. And in between that, it's just it's hard to do stuff. I mean, but at the same time, I you know if if the Mavericks add some depth and he is still able to play ten to fifteen minutes, fifty games a season, to where they just need to get like because th- my my deal with a guy like Bertans has always been. If he hits his first shot, keep him in. If he misses his first two, take him out. You know, right. like like a real baseline of rules where it's just like, all right, he has it tonight or he doesn't.
0: I, I think the key is finding something for him on defense. Like, where can you put him on defense that he can actually be a help rather than getting attacked? Um And I don't, I don't, I struggle to understand what that role would be. Uh, I'm not sure because again, he, he just doesn't have the instincts to like play free safety, you know, and like stash him on a bad shooter and then he can help protect the rim. Um, But he also can't, you know, he can't really bang in the post and he really can't guard on the perimeter. So if they could figure out some way to use him on defense, but I mean, I, I hate always comparing something to the 2011 Mavericks, but um, he it reminds me there's possible there's a series you know sometime in the playoffs where he he can shoot because you know um, everyone remembers Peja Sojakovic having like this big outsized role on that 2011 Mavericks team but really it was just against the Lakers um, right. it was just a bad matchup for the, for the Lakers having him out there and so maybe there's a there's a chance that there's some series in the future where that happens with davis Daspertans.
1: Well, I'm looking and there was one of these games. Just, just to confirm, we got like five minutes before my podcast thing goes away. Oh yeah, the Dave Burt game. The Dave Burt game was the uh, game three against Utah. He went four seven from three, gave him fifteen points. Yeah, like he, they needed that win as they were trying to hold on with Luca out. Um, yeah, and you know, you don't get Dave Burt's fifteen points in a game that the Mavericks won by eight. You lose that game. And yeah. so it's, it's that sort of thing that you're talking about where you give a guy a chance. And if he comes away with it, he comes away with it. I mean, he didn't have, um, just to kind of, just to confirm with his, his playoff stuff. He, he, he was mostly stinky, but that's okay. You know, he had the, he had the big game against, uh, then he, oh yeah. The big one, the, the first, um, game four against the Suns was another one where they tied the season, uh, or. It's game five, no, Game four against the Suns. He scored twelve points. That was another big one. But you know those those games. It's like you're right. You don't need a guy. You need guys that that do things in small bursts and and that sort of stuff is is key for for teams to outperform in the playoffs. Yeah.
0: And and I think what's key is he's not a guy. I think like you said, if if he shoots, you know, misses his first three shots, and you pull him and just say, Hey, Berton, you know, it's it's not tonight, man. I don't think he gets mad. I don't. I think he's like, Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah. You know, I just don't have it tonight.
1: So. Yep. well, this has been exactly what I'd hoped for. Um, if you are still in the podcast and listen this long, be sure to check the show notes where I have have hyperlinks for all seven of these guys go give these guys a read. Please um, consider if you feel like arguing with me and Ben, there's a high likelihood we will respond because we both can't help ourselves. Um, yeah, I, this podcast is probably going up uh, either Wednesday morning no, what day is today? Today's Tuesday. It's, Tuesday night, yeah. um, it's either going up like Thursday morning or Wednesday night. I'm not sure because uh, I'm about to host a green room with our guy, Scott, which will already have been in your feed where we're talking CBA stuff. But yeah, Ben, thanks so much. Is there anything uh, else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I'm good. Uh, as soon as whenever that Frank piece comes
0: up, give it a read. I, uh, I like Frank I he, He's my guy that I'm rallying behind.
1: Who do you got for the finals since it's tied 1-1 right now?
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with
1: Boston. Yeah, hesitantly,
0: Boston. I just think the size helps. Same
1: I'm, I'm very pro Warriors. I, I. I hate, you know, going with the team that just beat our squad, but I don't think I can handle the internet if Jason Tatum wins the title.
0: <laughs> just for me, um, I really like big basketball teams, man. Like if you
1: they are a big give
0: team. me like a, a team full of like big dudes who are also perimeter to Orton, I'm always going to, you know, Oh, for sure. To that.
1: For sure they're yeah they're they're huge too all right guys kirk henderson ben zadell we are on mavsmoneyball.com be sure to you know subscribe rate tell your friends uh and you know join spotify live and hang out with us and then always visit mavsmoneyball.com thanks so much and everyone have a good week